When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain it what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is seven and five again. Oh no! Welcome back to Rain of True Radio, episode 530, coming to you on Wednesday, January 17th. It is the Roddies. It is the annual, the 10th annual Rain of Troy Awards. Uh, we're super excited to be here. Hope you are as well, as well, wherever you are joining us, whether it be live on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Email address, Rain of Troy at fansided.com. And our phone number, 818-643-7227. Second Whisper Bruin Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Journal with my co-host here in the Rancho Studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Dertola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome. It's the Roddies. It is. How it excited is are you? For, 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 all the, for all the people at home... Uh, who are you? Who are you wearing today? Um, I am wearing Laguna Seca. Oh, um, okay. If, if, if the folks at home can't uh, can't see, it's it's the Laguna Seca tr- racetrack mm-hmm. uh, made out to be a, a monster eating something. Yeah, so, wonder wonderful, great designer, uh, great great designer, great yeah. uh, great look on the red carpet. I of course um, I'm wearing um, Carhartt. Hey, Jesse went black tie. So she did. She did. She did. She, did. she, she tends to do that every yeah. every she, week. She's a very formal animal. <laughs> yeah, she is. Uh, Ron Murdy in the chat says, "Does everyone have their black ties on?" We do. <laughs> uh, if you're only listening on on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, yes, we are in full tuxedos. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, tuxedos. absolutely. Uh, nothing else is is going on, so it's it's full tuxedos. Uh, both me, Alicia, and and Jesse in in the background here. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see Jesse uh, sitting right behind Alicia over there. Um, we're super excited for the Roddies, our, our award show. I I said it's a tenth annual. It's not really because there's a couple of years we didn't do it. <laughs> there are definitely a couple of years we we uh, either forgot about it or delayed it too far or. Just didn't do it, so 
but it, but it's just something that we try to do annually. And yeah. this would have been the 10th season if we would have done it 10 times. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, that's 10th annual, baby. Yeah. I mean, just because you miss a year doesn't mean that it's not annual. Yeah. 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 It's it's not completely crim, just, you know, trying to force it into being 10th annual, which sounds cool. So we're, we're going to roll with it. Uh, more than anything, though, if you want to roll with anything, you can roll the dice over at DraftKings because the Roddies are brought to you by DraftKings. And DraftKings is offering a fantastic sign-up bonus for new users. You can place a $5 bet on anything to instantly claim 200 buckaroos in bonus bets. You'll also be able to be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day. When you opt in, the best part is that when you sign up to receive those awards, even if you your first bet loses, you get it. So when you join DraftKings, make sure to sign up using the code Reign of Troy, Reign of Troy, all one word. Uh, using our code Reign of Troy not only gets you the great bonuses, but helps directly support the podcast. So if you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, here's the NFL playoffs ramp up. Uh, make sure to use the code Reign of Troy to maximize your first bets and parlays. The offer, of course, only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Uh, Tim in LA says, is there a Roddy's category for best segue? Because there should be. Wh- which one Which one was it? What, what, what do you think? Which, do you have a favorite? On the on the season, I know there was one that absolutely floored me, and I just can't remember what it was because I have a terrible memory. <laughs> Robin Murray says there's there were seasons we're glad you didn't do a Roddy's. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, here we <laughs> yeah. are doing it after the 2023 season. Uh, whether I mean, or not okay, that to, ranks, look, on, to be fair, this season would have been a good season to not do one until the Holiday Bowl. So this is true. <laughs> you know, yeah. the holiday isn't it wild how the Holiday Bowl sort of salvaged people, so much of the of of the discourse. People say that bowl games don't matter, but you can't. People who say bowl <laughs> games don't matter aren't deep in it fans of a team because. The bowl game, how you end the season absolutely matters. You can't tell me that the 2016 season wasn't heavily influenced comparative to the 2017 season by the way that those bowls ended. If you oh, yeah. flip the results of those bowls, we remember both of those seasons very differently. Uh, this season is a prime example of how you can leave everybody with a good taste in their mouth or a bad taste in their mouth. And mm-hmm. this season definitely much, much better taste in, in our mouth than we ever expected. Yeah, I was seeing, like, just, you know, the last couple of weeks with, <laughs> with things like the staffing, which we're going to talk about in the new segment later on. We're going to do the Roddies first. Um, I saw tweets on Twitter of, uh, you know, like, evil, swaggy uh, Lincoln Riley and stuff like that. I'm like, I yeah. haven't seen these in, like, two years. <laughs> I mean, a but, lot can change in a month. Yeah, people people are back on board. Uh, all right, uh, let's get to the Roddies. How excited for you are, you, are, are this? I'm, I'm very I don't think excited. That's a f- sentence that I got right. But I we're... don't think that was a correct grammatical sentence, but we're rolling with it anyways because I am excited. All right, uh, let's do it. Uh, we start, of course, with the first award, uh, which is the JD Booty Award, uh, the finalist. So the little little thing here, how we're how we're doing this. Last week, we presented the uh, semifinalists, the nominees. 
you guys got to vote on who is your pick. The way it's going to work is you guys get an equal share. You guys picked the Roddies. I mean, the Rotbots picked the finalists. So the top three vote getters are the three finalists. So for the JD Booty Award for the most underappreciated Trojan, the finalists are Austin Jones, Jalen Smith, and Taj Washington. Those are the three highest vote getters uh, by the Rotbots. Um, and then on top of this, the highest vote getter was Taj Washington. So the, the vote from the Rotbots goes to Taj Washington. Uh, and then Alicia gets votes and I get a vote. And we put the three together and whoever wins, wins. Alicia, what are your thoughts on the three finalists of the JD Booty Award? See, this is this is one of those ones where at a certain point you become so referenced as an underappreciated Trojan that you are no longer underappreciated, mm-hmm. which is how I feel about Taj Washington a little bit here. Sure. So I'm going to throw my vote to uh, to Austin Jones because I think he is genuinely underappreciated for what he is, has uh, contributed to USC over the last two years. He's always played second fiddle to a, a running back who uh, was either, you know, first in, in my heart or um, just uh, more of a fan favorite. But you need your you need your guys like Austin Jones, who was a great locker room figure, who did his job, who went in and was always available if something was was wrong with uh, with the 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 guy ahead of him, mm-hmm. and he just he never let it skip a beat. So I'm giving it to Austin Jones. Yeah, I think Austin Jones is a good shout here. Um, com- you compare him uh, last year. Uh, you look at the you know SC went out and got Travis Dye and Austin Jones. And Travis Dye was the one that, you know, everybody loved, right? Because he was the the starter for most of the year. Uh, he took well to be, so well to be in a Trojan. Like, he cemented himself as a Trojan even in those, what, nine games that he played or ten games uh, that he played last year before getting getting hurt at the end. The, was it the Colorado, Cal game? Colorado game? Whatever it was. Um, but... Uh, Austin Jones sort of stepped up the, at the end of the year for for Travis Dye uh, and then was the guy this past year, even though along with, with Marshawn Lloyd. So, yeah, I, I respect it, but I am going to have to sort of declare the winner here, Alicia, of the J.D. Booty Award for Most Underappreciated Trojan. It's Todd Washington. Because I'm going with Taj. So me and the Rotbots are going with Taj Washington. Uh, 59 catches, uh, 1,062 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, he finishes his SC career as, you know, high on the list. I think he was like 14 or 15 on the USC catch list of all time. But yet, if you put a ranking together of your favorites. Uh, or of the best USC receivers of all time, I don't know that he hits the top 20. Um, and that's not a knock on him. That's just a, that's how many great USC receivers there have been, right? Your, your Keyshawns he's, and your, he's your the Johnny jo- Mortons. He's and, the John David Booty of the wide receiver group. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, yes, uh, of like, he, he's always reliable yeah. and like, should he, he should be remembered 
uh, you know, and we are going to make sure that he's remembered because yeah. he's the winner of the award. Uh, Cam in the, in the chat says Taj has been the second best player in offense for two years and is kind of perceived as the fifth or worse. That's why it's Taj. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a, it's a, it's a really good way to put it. I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, this year, I think we're going to get towards the, the offensive awards and the Trojan of the year award. And we're talking more about Taj then spoiler alert, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. Uh, let's go to the next award, uh, which is the Marquise Lee Award, which is for Best Individual Performance. The finalist, as voted on by the Robots, is Caleb Williams in overtime against Arizona. Miller Moss's first starts against Louisville uh, in the Holiday Bowl, six touchdowns, and Zachariah Branch and his debut, um, 232 yards of all-purpose yards against San Jose State. Alicia, I think this might be the toughest votes. And when you look at the Rotbot votes, probably one of the closest, too. Um, we are going with 44.3% of the Rotbots went with Miller Moss in his first start as the Marquise Lee uh, Award recipient for the, for the fan vote. Where are you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm as mad, I'm as worked up as I was watching the Emmys uh, and seeing, well, I didn't watch the Emmys, monitoring the Emmys on Twitter, uh, and I didn't see Breaking Bad, I mean, uh, Better Call Saul win any awards, inclu- including Ray Seahorn not winning Best Supporting Actress. I was extremely, extremely disappointed and mad at the Emmys, and I am mad and disappointed at the Robots for not including Marshawn Lloyd's Performance against Cal. So I guess I have to vote for something else. And that something else is going to be... To me, it's... It's Caleb Williams against Arizona. And it's not just OT against Arizona. It's the whole Arizona game. USC should have lost that game. USC would have lost that game with any other quarterback on the field. Caleb Williams was in his bag uh, doing miracle work. Mm-hmm. against Arizona and and I loved what Miller Moss did against uh, against Louisville and I loved seeing the bright young star of, of Zachary Branch uh, in so early in that season but but Caleb Williams was literally Superman against Arizona he wins I think for me I think I think the great point made there but I think for me I gotta side with the rot pots again <laughs> which makes the winner. Miller Moss. I I I, I don't just, hate it. I I just I just go back to he was like if, if we're talking about the, like the Marquise Lee Award when he had you know was it three hundred and sixty three fifty three whatever forty five three forty five three forty five yeah uh, receiving yards like in a losing effort in a in a losing effort it was just something where he just you know was so out of left field with what he was able to do. Like it just unimaginable. And to me, Caleb Williams dominating Arizona is sort of what you expect. And like, it's a bummer. It's unfair that Caleb Williams doesn't win this award because he's Caleb Williams and he's got to complete with his compete with his aura. But like Miller Moss's six touchdown performance is so unexpected <laughs> that that's gotta be it. That's gotta be it. Yeah. So, so I will side with the Rutbots, and congratulations to Miller Moss, winner of the Marquis Lee Award, 
for the best individual performance. Uh, let's go on to the next award. The Brain Bleach Award for the moment you'd most like to forget from 2023. <laughs> Here's how the Rotbots voted. Uh, these are the finalists voted on by the Rotbots. Uh, the first half against Notre Dame, the whole game against UCLA, and all of 2023. Do you want to guess where the Rotbots went with this? I'm going to guess the whole game of UCLA because all of 2023 now includes the Holiday Bowl. So I would argue against that. So, yeah, I I think the Rotbots understood that and said the whole game versus UCLA. The whole game versus UCLA got 49.2% of the vote. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 for the record, the robots are correct. Uh, I w- I would also like to brain bleach the first half against Notre Dame. Don't get me wrong, uh, but you know, saying all of twenty twenty three erases some some good moment. Like the first the first half against Stanford is something I want to remember that feeling. Uh, overtime against Arizona is something I want to remember that feeling. Um, you know the 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 holiday bowl obviously there were there were little moments in 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 there the cal ending with with uh marshawn lloyd the entire game of ucla can just get thrown out and never talked about ever 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 again so i believe that you are officially siding with the robots yes i am siding with the robots that means that the winner of the brain bleach award for the moment you most like to forget is the whole game against UCLA. Congratulations to to that effort. Um or lack thereof from, from USC in that game. Um <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was I, I would have agreed. Uh would have agreed with you, even though the all of 2023 is so tempting. Uh West Texas Mike in the chat, in all caps, all of goddamn 2023. <laughs> I don't want to remember any of it. It was a nightmare. Yeah, I <laughs> Uh, Kenny says UCLA, um, and um, Cam says the first half against Notre Dame. I, I, I think all of these things are certainly brain, brain bleach award candidates. But the uh, the game against UCLA, I think, I, I think it wins. Except here's the here's the caveat: is there a party that wants to remember it? Because now you can look at it and go. That Danton Lynn defense. Nope. I will mm. make new memories with mm. Danton Lynn. Thank you. No? Okay. Yeah. All right. Just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. Uh, all right. Let's go to the next award. Uh, the Dela McCullough Award for uh, Coach of the Year. Uh, the finalists are... There are none. There are, there, there are no finalists. Can we just give the Dela McCullough Award to Danton Lynn and just call it a day? You could. Okay, that's what I vote for. Okay. Congratulations to Danton Lynn for for the first recipient without having. You know what though? I I will say to in all seriousness, we are doing Taylor Mays. Taylor uh, Mays. We're yeah. doing Taylor Mays dirty because uh, I think the answer is probably uh, Taylor Mays. That is that's valid too. I think I I think we could give an honorary award to the staff that engineered the holiday bowl performance just as a nod to especially like, coming off of the UCLA game. Yeah. So I, there was no Dylan McCullough on this staff. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's worth giving a lot of credit to 
the way that the team and the coaches, many of them who knew they were not going to coach for USC ever again, um, got the team ready to play in the way that they did. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's totally valid. Yeah. I I think it's a, it's a valid way of putting it. Um, collective effort in holiday bowl. Taylor May is someone who got a lot of love after the holiday bowl. Indeed. Especially when, you know, the whole spirit of the deal McCullough thing is, Kind of like the 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 coach that you know just gets a lot of praise from the players, also. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Taylor Mays was that guy after the Holiday Bowl. So big honorary shouts to, to Taylor Mays, indeed. Uh, let's go to the drool-worthy moments of the year. Um, an interesting vote in, in which our three finalists are. Um, the Caleb Williams overtime against Arizona. The flea flicker touchdown against Washington. And Zachariah Branch's kickoff return against San Jose State. Alicia, we have a tie in the vote. Literally, we have a tie. Um, and the tie with 38% uh, is between... Uh, the flea flicker touchdown against Washington and the Zachariah Branch kickoff return against San Jose State. And I totally get why that's a tie. Um, I think that Zachariah Branch's kick return is one of the most unique kick returns that I have ever seen. In what sense? In that the way that he broke that return was different. He was so... Most kick returners who break returns are just like shot out of, out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. And he just, he's like a running back taking a taking his time to find, to pick the hole and then zooming through it. And you just don't see that on kick returns like that. And Does it was, have the nice little, little cut back at the end. Yeah, it, that was a beautiful kick return. However, yeah. however, the flea flicker touchdown against Washington was pure art. Pure art. And it sucks that it's in a losing effort because I think it would be a more legendary play if USC had pulled off that win. Um, to me, I just, like, if we're talking drool-worthy, I know I was drooling about all of these, but, like, my jaw was on the floor he makes watching that uh, that flea flicker touchdown. And since the Rothbots once again do Marshawn Lloyd dirty and don't include his touchdown run against Colorado, then fine, I will vote for the flea flicker. <laughs> Uh, the Marshawn Lloyd touchdown against uh, against Colorado had uh, one vote, literally one vote. I swear I did not vote in the Rotties because I knew I would. I didn't want to double up my vote here. So one Rotbot gets me. That's what I learned today. Only one of you. <laughs> Only one of you. We t- we toyed with the idea of doing Rotbot of the year. Come forward, single vote for Marshawn Lloyd's touchdown run against Colorado because you're my vote for the Rotbot of the year. Thank you. Uh, all right. I am going to end up siding with you, uh, which means that the winner of the drool-worthy moment of the year is the Flea Flicker touchdown against Washington. Uh, for for me, it was the everything about it. The, the design, I think that it was one of those moments where I was completely fooled. It was one of those moments where they created a trick play that was meta in that yeah. 
it did the thing where it took advantage of like the player's flaw, which Zachariah Branch's flaw, if anything, is that he's a freshman who is aggressive. And sometimes that means that he's going to overjuke, right? He's going to mm-hmm. run away that, uh, that you wouldn't have necessarily wanted him to or, or whatever. Right. Like, cause he's going to, he's going to take his shots and you watch that, that flea flicker. You're like, Oh, Oh no. Oh, oh no. What, what, what are you doing? No, but that was on the design. That's what, that was the genius of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. That, like I said, in another season, in another game, that game, that that flea flicker would be the thing of legends, and it's it's unfortunate. Imagine if it, it was like a game winner. I mean, <laughs> now we're talking. Yeah. Mm. He makes me drool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get to the um, MVPs. Uh, Reign of Troy defensive MVP of the year. Finalists, uh, Bear Alexander on the defensive line, Kalen Bullock uh, at DB, and uh, Solomon Bird. The edge rusher gets the third spot. Uh, Voting was very close for everybody except for Bear Alexander. 72% of the vote. Solid, solid big share uh, from the Rotbots. Uh, Solomon Bird getting third place here in the vote thought was sort of interesting. I, I, but then again, we're we're sort of picking hairs here. I mean, uh, well, when we were putting together the candidate list, it was very Bear Alexander and who? So this is not surprising to me. Uh, I would have had Jalen Smith in in my um, in my final list personally, but I don't think Solomon Bird is a bad. Uh, is a bad player to to put in there, and and Kalen Bullock is um is definitely one of the bigger figures on that defense, so that's not surprising either. The answer, the winner, is Bear Alexander. There is no in if and or but about it. Uh, he was the bright spot on USC's defense. Not perfect. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the thing that's most exciting about the coming season and and uh, a higher we are about to discuss is knowing that Bear Alexander can be so much better even than he was this year. But he was the only player on defense who I consistently watched with maybe the exception of Jalen Smith and um, Jacoby Covington, maybe who I consistently looked at and said, this kid can play mm-hmm. and this kid is playing a, in a defense that is getting the least out of everybody possible. Yeah. This kid's standing head and shoulders above everybody else. Yes. So congratulations to Bear, Bear Alexander. Yeah, uh, he wins it. 48 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, uh, a sack and a half. Uh, four PBUs, three quarterback hurries. Um, it's interesting. You compare his numbers to last season at Georgia. He had two sacks last year. He had more sacks at Georgia than he did at SC uh, this past season. But Well, he he there was more attention paid to other players on the line of scrimmage. Yes, Georgia. yes. At a certain point, if you weren't double or triple teaming Bear Alexander this year, you weren't doing uh, right in terms of blocking. Uh, you you weren't doing your blocking right. Yeah, but no, but Bear Alexander easily, I think, is the defensive MVP. Kalen Bullock had his moments certainly, um, but I, I I think that just in terms of consistency, Bear, Bear Alexander was the guy who was the most consistent on defense. 
Um, absolutely. Just the most consistent on defense. Uh, let's go to the um, offensive MVP award. Uh, the finalists are Caleb Williams at quarterback, Taj Washington, wide receiver, and Zachariah Branch, wide receiver. Uh, you want to guess where the votes lied here? Um, I think the votes will would have been split by Caleb Williams and Taj Washington. Uh, again, I would like to call out the Robots for not including Marshawn Lloyd in this finalist list. This is getting to Better Call Saul levels of just pure snubbery uh, that I am offended by. So thanks, guys. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Caleb Williams and Taj Washington um, should. I, I think Zachariah Branch is definitely not in that in that group. Yeah, in terms of offensive tier. MVPs, yeah. yeah. I would, uh, I, Yes, you if are If we correct. had a special teams MVP, yeah. he'd run away with it, but... Yeah. Caleb Williams ran away with this. Uh, 73.8% of the votes for, for Caleb Williams uh, for the Rot Offensive MVP. Alicia, I don't think we have to reinvent the wheel here. The Rot Box got it right. They, they got it right. He, Caleb Williams was the offense uh, for, for better or for worse. Uh, he is an incredible player with incredible talent who made the offense go. And I think that um, even though it was very nice to see the confirmation from Miller Moss that Lincoln Riley's offense is still Lincoln Riley's offense, even without Caleb Williams, Mm -hmm. there were things that Caleb Williams was doing in that offense that were just beyond anything that you could imagine from any other quarterback that I have ever watched. And uh, he was, is the MVP running away in my mind. Yes, absolutely. So congratulations to Caleb Williams. The Raid of Troy offensive MVP. Uh, and the the by the way, the Rotbot MVP is, is Sam from South Carolina. Um, hey. back from Liberia. Uh just hit us up with a uh, with a super chat. Thank you, Sam. That's the uh, the Rotbot MVP. But the offensive MVP goes to to Caleb Williams. Yeah. I, I he won the Heisman for for last season, I, I guess twenty twenty two, which is twenty twenty four at this point. But you know what I mean. Um, but I I think that he could have absolutely like there was a part of the for a big chunk of the year, the first six games, his numbers were ahead, were ahead of 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 what um he was doing the the year before when he won the Heisman, Caleb Williams. So, um, season didn't end the way that he wanted it to, but. I, I still maintain that, like, if he would have, I, I, I think he, I, I think there's a world in which you could have, you could watch the the games against Oregon and Washington and see that if USC had a mediocre defense, they win, they win games, and and Caleb Williams is getting credit for winning those games. Well, I um, because he was. I that think good. he outplayed Penix in that game. He outplayed the, a lot of other quarterbacks. The, the, the difference just... <laughs> is the, the difference of the Washington game is like Penix didn't need to be a superstar in that game. No. Uh, so like that, this is not a knock on Penix. Like I'm the biggest Michael if, Penix fan there is. If but you like, let USC, if you let Caleb Williams go against USC's defense in any of those games, he puts up seventy points. Is this the probably, way I'm thinking of it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you look at the the game against Oregon. I, I I don't think that Bo Nix had to be a superstar either. No. 
Um, Caleb Williams had his moments in that game against Oregon too, but again, he it was he was just asked to do too much. He had to be perfect yeah. to win those games, and he wasn't perfect. But that's he was like ninety eight percent. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you're not going to win the Heisman that way. Yeah. And he uh, won it the year before, um, but uh, the Heisman is not an MVP. Uh, but he certainly was USC's MVP on offense. Uh, let's get to the final award, the Trojan of the Year Award. And uh, we have a special fourth candidate here uh, because for a long time, I'm looking at the, the voting. I never turned off the voting. The voting now has changed, but for a long time, for, oh. <laughs> when I looked at this earlier, the, the voting was tied. So there are four, um, four finalists. Uh Caleb Williams, Marshawn Lloyd at running back, Taj Washington at wide receiver, and Zachariah Branch uh, at wide receiver, kick returner, literally everything. Where are you on Trojan of the Year? I want to talk about your vote before we get to what the Rotbots had to say. Um. <laughs> well, now he's here. He's here. Now he's here. Zero the Hero himself is here. And, of course, that means I am going in a different direction. Um, I think one player epitomized fight-on spirit more than any other on USC's roster from day one to the end. Um, he he was at giving his A game in every single game, and he... He was just, to me, what it means to be a Trojan, and that is Taj Washington. I would give Trojan of the Year to Taj Washington. Caleb Williams is the MVP of the of the offense, but Taj Washington was the example of what it looks like to, to understand that every snap that you take in Cardinal and Gold means something. Mm-hmm. And he he just never let the fans down, and you yeah. have to love that, and and that he gets my vote, my vote. So the Rotbots went with Caleb Williams, forty nine percent of the votes. Tosh uh, Washington had thirty nine percent, and Zachariah Branch uh, and Marshawn Lloyd were uh, tied for third with uh, fractions, little, little, little tiny fractions. Um, Brendan Rice um, uh, got got a few votes as well. Um, Who we haven't really gotten to talk about, but uh, yeah. was also a very, very capable player. Uh, a player that USC might miss. Um, and, might miss? I think they definitely will well, miss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that if we would have done this these awards at the end of the regular season, I think it would have been interesting too mm-hmm. because I think there would have been more love for Brendan Rice here. Yeah. Um, you know, finishing fifth in the vote out of the the six nominees, I think is is kind of surprising for me. Um, you know, ahead of Marshawn Lloyd, who, uh, as West Texas, West Texas Mike is pointed out in the chat, uh, had a few fumbles, uh, few <laughs> this, this critical fumbles, <laughs> especially in the UCLA game. Um, yeah, I, I I think for me that. This is tough because what is Trojan of the Year? And you talk about the the Trojan spirit and all that. I think that when you when you look at Tommy Trojan, and I'm gonna 
out myself for being a horrible alum here. What are the what are the four, four words on Tommy? Uh, scholarly, scholarly, faithful, faithful, uh, something. Uh oh, Lord. Mm. Um. Oh boy. Yikes. Uh, Jeez, we're, th- there we're was a time when ourselves. I knew this. Uh, scholarly, faithful. Something is like ubiquitous uh, or something. No. It, there's there's a big there's a SAT word on there. Um. Um. Oh, oh, and the chat's not coming in to help us. It's oh, it's no. it's not even on Wikipedia. What are we doing oh, here? Oh no. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, the, the, this is this is horrible. There's this some, is great radio. There no, is no, no, somebody no. There's a listening athletics. on Spotify yelling and faithful, in the, scholarly, skillful, courageous, ambitious. Ambitious. Okay. Uh, I I think when when you talk about all of those things, how can you not say that Caleb Williams is those things? He is those things. Yes. He is those things. Yes. He is like he he's the model Trojan. He's the model Trojan of what USC strives to produce. Um West Texas Mike in all caps. Faithful, scholarly, skillful, <laughs> well, courageous, ambitious. Yes. That was copy pasted from USC.edu. I'm I, looking at that exact I, I no, no, no. I have faith. I have faith that he got that genuinely. There might be a, a, a quotation mark at the end, but like he didn't he he, he got that genuinely. Uh no, I this is I like Caleb is the guy. Like he's he's the <laughs> he is the the city on a hill, you know. Yes, he's he's the Trojan on a hill. He's also horns down for life. <laughs> he is horns down for life. Yes, uh, no, I, I like the way I look at it, like how can it not be Caleb Williams? I think that when you the the only argument that I think that it could be Taj Washington is the the Trojan of the year. Because I think there's a way to put this at like Caleb Williams is the Trojan of the decade. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I feel you. And it, and I if if your vote ultimately goes to Caleb, I I don't think that is an incorrect uh an incorrect vote. But I will still feel solid in my in in my determination. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I believe, I think Taj Washington is, 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 um, is, is that dude. As the, uh, wonderful, wonderful, um, British wordsmith, uh, Stormzy puts it, I was the flavor of the month. Now I'm the flavor of the decade. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's Caleb Williams, which that's- means that I think Taj Washington's Trojan of the year, because I think that this year was like, you needed a bright spot for this year, and like Caleb Williams was absolutely the bright spot, like eternally. Yeah, but you look at it like Taj just kind of—he was like the 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 like the heart of of this team it individually of, of yeah. what what this is. Yeah. Not to take anything away from Caleb being the heart, because he's obviously the heart and soul. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I think the, the ability to have the the forty yard plays every single game and lead the country at one point in in forty yard plays, like especially as as a guy who we wouldn't have qualified as being a uh, a deep threat before the season, right? And in, in Taj, to, but to like, come back and play in a in a bowl game, played you know, in the bowl game, even though he was leaving, game, led yeah. the team in receiving in that game. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I, I think the Trojan of the Year is Taj Washington. Yeah. SJ in the chat says what I liked about Taj is that he bet on himself and won. Yeah, I yeah. I, I think so too. Um he bet on himself week in and week out. Yeah. And that's and that's a really good point too, because USC brought in transfers. Yes. That we expected to overtake Taj Washington. We expected Taj Washington to get to get uh you know, priced out of out of that receiving core. And and over the last two years, Taj Washington has been one of the dudes in that receiving core, regardless of whether Jordan Addison was in that receiving core, Taj mm-hmm. Washington was, was, was right up there in importance. And uh, this past year he was USC's wide receiver number one. So, yeah. I mean, going into the season, would we have put Taj over Mario Williams? Probably no. not. Dorian Singer over Dorian no. Singer. No. Brendan Rice. No. I mean, but Taj that dude probably over Brendan. Like it would have been a coin flip, but. Either, either way, I, I think the, the expectation going into the season was that Mario Williams and Dorian Singers were going to be the dude, the dudes. Um, well, like, like somebody, Brown, right? Like somebody else said uh, earlier, and I apologize for for uh, Cam, Cam Hammer in the chat. Uh, you know, he was the second plus bear player on offense for the last two years, and he was perceived as the fifth. Yeah. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. So uh, that is going to wrap up the Roddies. Um, this was this was fun, fun to, to get your guys' input as well. Thanks for all the Rotbots uh, joining us as well. Um, and the show's not over, so don't don't leave if you're you're here on on YouTube. We're just done talking about the Roddies for now. Um, we still got a lot to get to, but thank you for for. Voting uh, in in the awards from last week the, with the nominees and all that, and um, yeah, we, we look forward to it to do it next year. Hopefully, um, maybe with with more awards to give out, and maybe happier ma- awards. Ma- to give maybe out. not the the brain bleach award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right, um, let's get to uh, the news, shall we? The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, Alicia. There's a lot of news to get to. Uh, sort of rapid fire news, but we're gonna we're gonna run through it here. Start with the coaching staff being completed, uh, seemingly completed. Uh, new defensive line coach. It's Eric Henderson. 
He's been hired as the co-DC run game coordinator defensive line coach. That's a mouthful. Uh, he posted a picture with Aaron Donald uh, in a USC shirt, which is not a bad recruiting tactic. Uh, why Aaron Donald? Because Eric Henderson, previously the defensive line coach uh, with the Rams. So he uh, drives right down Slauson to uh, Vermont and heads over to SC. Yeah, this is a is a home run higher and a half. This is Aaron Donald's defensive line coach. This is a guy who took a third round rookie in Kobe Turner and turned him into uh, a rookie of the uh, defensive rookie of the year candidate. Uh, led the Rams with nine sacks. This is a guy whose defensive front uh, had uh, well, th- whose defense had four players with six plus sacks. That's the first time that that's happened since 1985 in the NFL. He has gotten the most out of. Aaron Donald. He has gotten the most out of all of the dudes around Aaron Donald. Um, he is extremely respected by his peers. He was the defensive line coach of the year in 2021. That's voted on by NFL coaches um, as a huge, huge, huge hire. And I think it it speaks to the level of respect that there must be between Eric Henderson and Danton Lynn specifically that Danton Lynn has Eric Henderson coming in as a co-DC. Now, let's explain that out. Danton Lynn is running the defense. Danton Lynn is calling the defense. Yeah. The co-DC tag is, is very clearly to pay me a pay, a, pay, a pay situation. Mm-hmm. But my suspicion is that USC had allocated a huge chunk of money to go swing for the fences with a defensive line, with a defensive uh, coordinator hire had to go down a notch in terms of pay grade to to pick up uh, Danton Lynn in the end and then was able to turn around and splash enormously with the rest of the assistant coaching staff and uh and Eric Henderson is about as big of a fish as you could get from the NFL ranks um he the connection between Danton Lynn and Eric Henderson is pretty clear Dan uh, Eric Henderson got his first NFL coaching job with Anthony Lynn, Danton's father. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's clearly the fa- the family link there. But um, this is a this is a, an, a, an enormous hire um, for a position that USC has to get right. Yeah. And in terms of developing talent, maximizing the players uh, in front of him, Eric Henderson has done an outstanding job at the NFL level. And we don't necessarily know what he'll be as a recruiter. Um, but as you said, Michael, being able to post a picture with Aaron Donald, being able to to point to NFL success can go a long way mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to recruit uh, defensive linemen. Um, Bear Alexander was effusive in his, in his praise of, of, um, of Eric Henderson as, as the hire. So, uh, this is, this is big. This is real, real big. And, um, West Texas Mike is asking, why would he leave the Rams for USC? I think it's a valid question. I think it's a very valid question. Um, number one, the, the DC tag means a pay raise. He's getting more money at USC than he was making as a defensive line coach with the Rams. Number two, some guys like being in college. Like some guys like working with college age kids. And, um, and he might have aspirations. I mean, he worked in college before. He was the the defensive line coach at UTSA. He was a, a GA at um, at Oklahoma State. So he he he's worked in college, and he might just be interested in in the college game. 
Um, yeah. And he might see a quicker path to, uh, to, to sort of rising up the ranks in, um, in, in, in through the college game where you can, where you can step up and be a co-DC Danton Lynn goes somewhere and you follow him to wherever he goes, or you get your own DC job. Like I, I, I think hitching I, I, your wagon to Danton Lynn is not a terrible idea right now. I think there, yeah, I, I think that there could be some upward mobility thing where maybe he sees it as, um, we know it's difficult to promote in the NFL. We also, uh, we know it's difficult for black coaches to promote in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Um Maybe it's a th- maybe there's something there where it, where it talks about like upward mobility of of, uh, of guys. I I don't know. Either way, I I go back to what we had talked about before. Uh, USC's defensive staff is kind of overqualified. Like it's weird. <laughs> the whole like, damn staff. I, is it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, well, you, I mean, you, Alabama's you gotta, out here hiring the head, two, hiring two head coaches, FBS level head coaches. So you know. <laughs> this is the new name of the game. Yeah, but like you, you have a Super Bowl winning defensive line coach who is defensive line coach in the NFL coming over. You have your current defensive line coach Sean Nua staying on board and just pivoting to defensive ends. Then on top of this, you have a national championship winning head coach in Matt Entz being the linebackers coach uh it it's it, is this the same sc that like you know this this, this is why that, that made brennan carroll a, a full-time assistant th- yeah. this is this is part of why i i understand some of the I understood some of the panic that there that was going on this past season, but I have never felt more confident in the people pulling the strings at the upper level at USC than I do right now. And to me, what we have seen from the hiring from the hiring process for this defensive staff, what we have seen is all of USC's resources being given to hiring the right people. Mm-hmm. And I will be the first to tell you, I don't think they got the defensive coordinator that they got. But the thing that you do, that I don't think they got the defensive coordinator that they wanted. Well, maybe not first choice. First choice but, is what I'm but, saying. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like d- talk down to Danton Lynn, but I, I think they went, they, they wanted a huge, like a big, big fish. And like I said, they didn't get the big, big fish. And that happens. You have to be ready yeah. to pivot, and you have to you have to maximize the position that you're in. And every single step that they have taken is evidence of that. You go out and get Danton Lynn, and then you use his connections to to sw- to even make that call to even say yes. Let's talk to Eric Henderson. Yeah. That's ballsy. That is ballsy, and you don't make that call unless you have been given the go-ahead. That like you're not gonna, you're not pulling Eric Henderson's leg. Mm-hmm. If you call Eric Henderson, you are ready to offer him a financial package that makes it worth his while to leave the Rams. Right. If you are willing to not only leave the Rams, but like 
leave the day after they lost. To I mean, the, yeah, to the, yeah. The, cl- <laughs> clearly, the they clearly, were, this, this was, was already works. done when like he was overlooking the playoffs to look at SC. Yeah, yeah. So. I, uh, I I just think this is just a sign that USC, in terms of resources, is is on point. In terms of ambitions, is on point. They're they're not. You know, we always talked about the the Clay Helton Rolodex and and was it was it extensive enough and and did that maybe limit the ambitions that that USC had in terms of mm-hmm. looking at potential hires that were out there and yeah. and I and I don't think that that's th- th- those limits are not are not there at this point. They are willing to look and find the best possible name that they could find and uh and it doesn't matter how unbelievable it is that this guy would take this job because they yeah. they asked the question and got the and got a, and got an answer. I I think this also um categorically says that it's bullshit that Lincoln Riley doesn't care about defense. It's it was always bullshit the idea that Lincoln Riley didn't care about defense. Lincoln Riley is an offensive coach who is who understands offense at a right. level that he uh, wasn't at a, cutthroat at a enough, genius level. Yeah. But like I don't think he, it's not that he didn't care. No, it's not that he doesn't care about defense, is that he made the wrong hire on defense. Right. Once. But but you have to look at it like when he went out and got Alex Grinch. That was a good hire. At the time, it was yeah. it was a big hire because he t- taken him away. He had, Alex Grinch had just gone to Ohio State. Yeah, and he took him away from a blue blood like uh, from Ohio State to Oklahoma. Like you know the, the the assembly of the 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 part was that he stuck with Grinch for too long. It's not that it's not that he didn't hire Grinch in the first place because yeah. Grinch. At the time, seemed like a like a good hire, uh, right? West Texas Mike says I, I wouldn't have said Lincoln Riley didn't care about defense, but my guess was that he didn't know what he didn't know. I think that's that's that's, that's I, a good point, and I think I think Lincoln Riley's sin was to me just being too optimistic and being a little sure. bit too hopeful. That well, you know what it is too. I I think that like when, when he talks about like we're we're so close and all that stuff, and you know, I know that people were upset about it, but like. I think that when you are so self-critical about your side of the ball, I think it's very easy to be like, like, look at the Washington game, right? It's very easy to say, well, um, if we don't it, turn it, it over, if, if they don't turn it over. And if, if they score on those last two drives, SC wins the game. But like, and which is true. It's totally like yeah. yes, that is a hundred percent true. Yeah, there is there, that is not factually wrong, but also you shouldn't ha- like you scored forty two points against <laughs> a team that went to the national championship game. Yeah, you shouldn't have to like be in a position where you needed fourteen more. You know what I mean? Like you needed fourteen more because you gave up fifty two. Like. It, it's one of those things where, like, yes, the offense could have been... Like, you look back at the UCLA game last year. SC wins that game, what was it, uh, 48-45? Mm-hmm. SC probably left 20 points on the field yeah. on offense. And I would bet you anything that if SC loses that game, he's, like, looking at all the... At the he, he's pointing to the moments that they left on the field because if you're an offensive guy, yeah, that's the stuff that's going to keep you up at night. When in reality... If you lose a shootout like that, it's, well, why didn't you make a stop? Right. 
And so, and we talked about it before that, like, he had to, he, Lincoln Riley had to get punched in the face, Mm -hmm. um, rhetorically, um, figuratively, metaphorically speaking, speaking, there we go, um, just like SC did this season by going seven and five in the regular season, and that forced him to make those changes. One of the things that we talked about, Pete Carroll, that he didn't, we've talked about the, the brain drain at SC under Pete Carroll, that. Pete didn't didn't make changes. I think where it is unfair to Pete is that we never saw him make we never saw him reinvent himself in part because he never had to. Mm-hmm. He left at the he left in the off season in which he would have needed to he would have needed to yeah. And so if he would have come back in 2010 and sort of rebuilt out his staff, he he gets rid of. John Morton and Jeremy Bates on offense. And he says, sorry, Rocky Seto, but you're not my defensive coordinator. And he goes out and gets, you know, somebody with, with who's qualified in all those things. Maybe he, he could have been like, like Nick Saban and reinvented himself and all those things, but he never had to, because just like Lincoln Riley, he was winning 10, 11 games every year. And he so. was winning the bowl game at the end of every season. Right. And, you know, his goal, his stated goal every year was win the Rose Bowl. And he did that every single damn year. Right. So, yeah, it's it's difficult to make these changes. But when you make them, you got to make them count. Right. And I don't think, uh, regardless of how things go in the coming year or year or two or whatever, um, I think it's important to note right now as it's happening, that every move that USC has made in terms of the staff yeah. has been, the, the the defensive staff has been aces. Mm-hmm. So if things don't go well for this staff, it's not because USC hired the wrong people. It's just that there's something there, Remember, there's something deeper going on. Two ways to judge a hire in the moment mm-hmm. and as the tenure goes. Yeah. Eric Henderson... He might end up being terrible at USC. But you, you never maybe the maybe hire he itself. Was, I mean, okay, a plus. if I, I'll play devil's advocate for um for just a minute on Eric Henderson, and I don't want to. I'm not trying to kill the vibe, but Eric Henderson. This is the other thing. He gets to prove now that he's more than just living off of Aaron Donald. Sure. And and yeah. you know, I think that's one thing that that would be you know, Kobe Turner has had an amazing year. That defensive line is an amazing year. It's a hell of a lot easier for individual players to have amazing years. When deep, when offenses have to account for somebody like Aaron Donald, right? Um, what I'm excited for with Eric Henderson is he has gotten the most out of Eric, Aaron Donald, and everybody who's around him. I'm excited to see him get the most out of Bear, Bear Alexander, Alexander yeah. and everybody around him. Yes, and what is it going to mean for recruiting going forward? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. Um, all right, uh, other news. Caleb Williams has gone to the NFL, and you do not have to have pickles and hot sauce. I was never going to have pickles and hot sauce because that was I, – I would not have made that bet unless I knew with, uh, without uh, – there was zero doubt in my mind that Caleb Williams was going uh, to the to the NFL. So uh, I look forward to seeing his, his NFL career. I believe that he will be drafted by – the Bears, or or he will be drafted number one overall. I believe that it will be the Bears at number one overall. Um, something could change in in the interme- intervening months, but uh, I think Caleb Williams will be a Chicago Bear, and I think he has the potential to have a 
a pretty good go of it there, considering the fact that they have they have a, a good defense mm-hmm. um, that won them some games this year, and uh, yeah. they are changing their offensive staff. So that staff is going to, I think, come in knowing that their whole job is to get Caleb Williams to a point where he can be successful. So uh, it should be fun to watch him move on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, I think the Bears are a very interesting place. I, I Yes, I think Caleb Williams is a better lotto ticket than Justin Fields. However, I, I could totally see the wor- a world in which they convince themselves to trade down asset-wise I, and I get ride you. with Fields again. But I again, have a like, rebuttal. I, and I get it. I, I think there is a world where they convince themselves that Justin Fields can be the guy. My rebuttal is very simple. In the NFL, success comes when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields has less time on his rookie deal than Caleb Williams will have. For yeah. that reason and that reason alone, I bet on Caleb Williams. I mean, aside from the fact that Caleb Williams is a generational uh, ge- you know, generational talent, right. Um to me, for that reason and that reason alone, you do not trade that pick. You trade Justin Fields. Yes, I agree about the whole rookie deal thing, but also Tom Brady was and like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they won a lot of playoff games and a lot of games overall. Um, without being on a rookie deal, also, so right, but mm, but, but yes, I, no, I, <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I agree. Yeah. E- either way, uh, uh, yeah. Before we move on, I do want to. I just do want to make a note because we sort of skipped over this in the in the coaching section. But Sean Nua has been retained. He is the yeah. defensive ends coach, mm-hmm. and Roy Manning has departed. He was the defensive ends coach. So yeah. um, that's, was it Peyton Manning? Was it me saying Peyton Manning that reminded you of Roy Manning? No, actually, that's a complete coincidence. Oh, okay. Tell my brain would have worked. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go to another quarterback. Um, USC commits uh, Juju Lewis, Julian Juju Lewis, um, which I, I love that his name is Julian Juju Lewis because it reminds me of John Juju Smith. Yes. Which became Juju, Juju Smith, Smith, which became Juju Smith Schuster. Um, and one of my favorite things is to tell people, like, you know, Juju's name is John Smith. And they're like, no, it's not. Like, it was. When he was starting up, he was just John Smith. So here's here's the problem I have with Juju Lewis. Um, there's too many Juju's at USC, associated with USC at this point. It's very it's very whiplashy because I'll now see people referring to Juju on Twitter. And I'm like, what did Juju Smith-Schuster do? And then it's like, no, 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 it's it's... It's Juju, the women's <laughs> basketball player, who's absolutely <laughs> killing it. Um, and so, yeah. like, if... If then we go from from Juju to Juju to another Juju, like I just, it's a lot to keep yeah. track of. It's yeah. it's worse than the Rojo confusion that that went through my brain for a little while. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of Rojos, Rojo yeah. and Rojo too, uh, and a Rowo if you include Robert Woods this too. Is true. Um, yeah, uh, Juju Lewis is reclassifying to the 2025 class. He originally was the number one prospect for the 2026 class. Uh, 24-7 Sports ranks him as, as the number 14 overall recruit and the number four quarterback 2025. Although there are murmurings that that recruit, re- recruiting game is sort of un, unsure. 
Yeah, so uh, Juju Lewis is playing his high school ball in Georgia right now. He's he's from that area, and uh, he committed to USC this past year. And um, the reclassification to 2025 is certainly an interesting wrinkle. He's, he's speeding up his clock. But there's a lot of doubt about whether or not he's going to end up at USC in the first place. Um, there's a lot of, of murmuring in the background and, and the like that Georgia will ultimately get his signature. He's also taken official visits to Alabama. He's taken official visits to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. His recruitment, despite being committed to USC, to me, it like he might as well just still be a recruit that USC is in a recruiting battle for. Um it will be very interesting to see how this all plays out. And this is the difficulty with quarterbacks at this point. Bringing Jaden Mayava has given USC some sort of future stuff going on with the quarterback, but if he's too if he looks if there's if there's good enough murmurings about Jaden Mayava coming out of camp even if he doesn't win the job. If he wins the job, I don't think there's any chance USC signs Juju Lewis. If he doesn't win the job, but there's positive murmurings about him, then I don't know how you keep Juju Lewis's commitment. Um, I would tell Juju Lewis, you know, Lincoln Riley, just come to Lee, come play for Lincoln Riley. It'll work itself out, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... It's tough. I... The this, this stuff with quarterback, especially when when they commit so many years in advance, it's it's so different. How many guys? I I, I in the past decade, um, David Sills, Matt Corral. Um, then you talk about the guys that SC didn't get. Uh, well, there's Bryce Young, right? But you talk about the guys that SC didn't get, but were heavily recruiting, who still had years of high school experience. Uh, um, Garcia, another guy Jake that committed, committed to SC, right? Um, but yeah. guys that SC tried to get that, you know, Shea uh, Patterson back in the is, day. Is this what sets Miller Moss apart? Like Miller Moss is, is really an exception to the rule kind of guy because he committed pretty early and he stuck it through, even though USC recruited other quarterbacks and yeah. he stuck it through, even though the, even though the transfer stuff, like, the vast majority of them are not Miller Moss in terms of loyalty, I suppose, to a school. Yeah. But there's nothing I hate more than the word loyalty. And there is no loyalty. I'm watching the show trust on Netflix and (laughs) God damn, that's a horrible. So here's what here's experience, but there's all sorts of stuff about loyalty coming up because of coaches and transfer portal and all this kind of stuff. And the way I see it is there is no loyalty in sports. There is no loyalty in sports. The sooner that you give up on the idea of loyalty in sports, the better. That doesn't mean there aren't very, 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 very rare exceptions. Miller Moss feels like a very rare exception. Dan Lanning staying with Oregon, which we're going to talk about in a second, very, very rare exception. Just because there is one guy that you can point to that did a thing that felt loyal at the time doesn't mean that there is. you should expect loyalty from anyone else at any other point. There is no loyalty in sports. Yeah, I want to talk about the major coaching stuff at the end, but maybe we just get to that really quick here. Okay. Um, Dan Laney stays at Oregon. Kalen DeBoer <laughs> replaces Nick uh, Saban, who had the that in their, their preseason the bingo card. <laughs> and Jed Fish takes over for Kalen DeBoer uh, at UW. Uh, you talk about loyalty. I, this is one of those things where I, I don't understand, like... The, the bitterness that people have over coaches leaving, 
I get it. Like it sucks that, you know, uh, coaches are allowed to leave uh, easier than players to, can and all that stuff. And, you know, they're allowed to leave for more money without talent. But, but like the up in armsness that people get whatever every single time, like, Oh my God, the horror. He, he wasn't loyal to me. Oh, he lied in he a press conference. He said he was conference. here for the long time. Oh. And yeah. it's like, first of all, two things can happen here. One, these coaches aren't always lying in a press conference. A lot of times the the, the circumstances change. Kalen yeah. DeBoer... Uh, a month ago saying that he like, yeah, how much he loves being at Washington or whatever. I'm sure that it was true a month ago. Like, you know, like not yeah. everything is this big and like not everybody is this, this, you know, evil doer at the same time. You know what I mean? Like my whole thing is let's just stop making moral judgments about job decisions about employment contracts right like, like it's, it's we would all make the same decision you're not, you're not a bad person if you leave one job for another job that carries significantly more prestige and significantly more money right you're not a bad person for doing also that. The, the 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 people at washington are so like for lack of a better word butthurt about losing kaylin DeBoer. it's like yeah. you lost him to alabama dude yeah. Well, but it's like, like he it's did, like USC he didn't losing leave you for Rutgers. It's like USC losing coaches to the NFL, which is why I think yes, I have a weird perspective on this. I think I think USC fans might have a weird perspective on this, just because USC isn't in danger. I mean, I never say never. You could you could certainly have a situation like happened to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is never in danger of losing their head coach to a equivalent blue blood program until it until it happens. So like I right. get it, but. USC's main danger of losing their head coach is usually to the, the NFL, NFL, and that yeah. has happened. The 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 legend, the two most legendary coaches at USC, both were lost to the NFL. The three. Who's the third? Oh, John Robinson, McKay, Robinson, yeah. and Carroll left in the NFL. That's right. Yes, because um, I was thinking Howard Jones didn't, but it's a whole oh. other. That's a whole other thing. And when they leave to the NFL, I get it. It sucks. It's painful. It is, it hurts. It, I'm not mad at any of these fans for being hurt. I get that. Yeah. But that hurt doesn't then have to manifest in this weird, bitter, um, like moral judgment of a person who took ultimately just, just took a pay raise, just like the guy that you enticed away from Arizona yeah. left Arizona for the pay raise and the prestige raise right and like that's well, well that's just, that, that's always it's the a cycle and the guy who left san jose uh, or san diego state um uh brett brennan who's going to san jose state right um yeah. brett brennan who's going to arizona now did like he left san jose state because arizona's going to pay him a lot more money and give right. him more prestige but, like, like this it's, is, it's a cycle this is the thing where like you know, SC people can be like, oh, getting Matt Entz. Oh, to be a linebacker's yeah. coach, he's, he's won a national title. Like, this I is mean, great. North, North Dakota State lost the the, yeah. the the focal point of their football program. Yeah. And then there's North Dakota people who are like, where was the loyalty? Yeah. Right? Like, it, yeah, it, it is a cycle that, get, that goes yeah. back and forth. But it, yeah. And it, it sucks. And, I, and I'm not saying it doesn't suck. It sucks. 
you just have to have perspective. Like, if tomorrow Lincoln the Riley left... Expect always hope for the best. Yeah, if tomorrow Lincoln Riley left for the NFL, that would suck. I would not be happy about it. But it would also be something that it just... I, I'd eventually just have to say, man, that sucked, but also... That's, it, was, it was always a possibility. That's how it works. Right. Also, like... When and you know we talked about this before. Like I, I think that maybe the SC perspective is different because SC does every national title winning head coach the last three have left to the NFL. So like you're predestined to have it in your head that well if he's successful he's going to leave to the NFL. Like yeah, there, there is a there is a thing and maybe our perspective is completely different. This than is my fear. Most with, this is the, the moment USC hired Danton Lynn. The moment USC hired Danton Lynn, I was like I like this hire. This is this is cool. This is great. The worst thing about this hire could be if he does too well, he's gone. And then yeah. USC is right back where they were. And that's the thing is like the curse of doing too well. If Jed Fish had produced the same season at Arizona as he had in 2022 and 2023, mm -hmm. he is still the head coach at Arizona. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it sucks. It, it, it sucks that uh, sports sometimes uh, rewards greatness with, you know, being punched in the face. Yep. Uh, Washington, a week ago, playing for a national championship. Now they have lost literally every starter, <laughs> every 2023 starter to the NFL graduation or the transfer portal and their head coach to Alabama, which is wild. Like... In an alternate reality, they're national champions right now. Um, and it's, I, I mean, it sucks. Washington it. is in a pickle. And I and yeah. I think Jed Fish but is going to... don't have to have... I don't have to eat the pickle, no. You don't have to eat the pickle, What no. I think is interesting about these, these moves, um, the, ultimately from a USC perspective, what these moves mean is Washington was always going to have a lot to to recover from in mm -hmm. terms of their losses to the NFL. Right. But now they've lost guys who they expected to be the focal points of their rebuild. Yes. And I have already circled one of those names. Yeah, Parker Brailsford. Parker Brailsford. Guess who needs a center? USC. Yeah. Guess who's in the transfer USC's portal? USC's got Juju Watkins. <laughs> USC football needs a center. Yeah. Um, Parker Brailsford is the center at Washington who is in the portal. Mm -hmm. Do I think he ends up at Alabama who also needs a center? Yes, I do think he ends up at Alabama. But that doesn't mean USC shouldn't make that call and offer him more money than has ever been offered to a, a, a center in the history of NIL. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, other roster stuff, uh, transfer portal updates. Mario Williams is going to Tulane in the... the Funniest possible destination for Mario Williams. In, in incredible, in, incredible. Um, Tulane, of course, the school that SC played when Mario Williams had his uh, his big moment last year. Big blunder in the Cotton Bowl yeah. that uh, that helped Tulane win that game. Yeah. So, yeah. Dorian Singer going to Utah. Um, this was would be one that you would sit here and go, man, that that. That'll be painful to SC to have to go up against Dorian Singer. Not anymore. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about this, this is my favorite thing about this transfer is all of a sudden dudes who go to Utah, uh, not USC's problem anymore. That's fine. Cool. Good luck to you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and there's a bunch of other players still in the portal. We'll see how that stuff goes. Uh, one guy who will be back for USC is Jenna Monheim, um, reported by Chris Trevino of uh, 
24-7 sports, but uh, not officially official, but reported by Chris. Right. We missed this last week. It's It sort of flew under my radar, um, partly probably because it was just reported by, by Chris Trevino, friend of the pod, um, but, uh, but it hasn't, like, I have not seen any Instagram posts or Twitter posts or any confirmation from Jonah Monheim yeah. that this is the case, but the deadline to declare for the draft has officially passed, mm-hmm. so I assume we will find out I mean, um, 100% by Friday, which is when they released the list of names of players who have declared for the draft with additional eligibility. So uh, for now, this is Jonah Monheim returning is is even bigger than any of the other transfer portal additions USC has made. Um, it might even be <laughs> it's it's up there with the coaching hires that USC has made. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC's offensive line is the single biggest question mark uh, on the team. I would say even bigger than the defense because we've seen what USC can be with a really, really, really bad defense. So yeah. it, it's almost marginal improvement is, is would still be massive on, on defense. What USC needs is their offensive line to be settled and to be effective and to give the quarterback, presumably the Miller Moss, who knows, we'll see what happens uh with uh, Jaden Maiava in terms of, of a competition, but I, I I expect Miller Moss. Miller Moss needs protection. You need to give him that protection. Jonah Monheim being on that offensive line when you're losing Justin Dietrich, mm-hmm. when you're losing, um, you know, pretty much everybody else. You lost uh, Michael Tarquin to the to the transfer portal. Um, you bringing back a veteran who you can just know is going to be there. Uh, I think the reporting is that he'll come back and play guard, which I think is is good. But in a pinch, knowing that at worst, USC's left tackle next year will be Jonah Monheim is a relief and a half. Uh, so that is massive. Yeah. And maybe uh, USC center. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We will see. Uh, all right. Uh, let's wrap this thing up. Really quick, uh, with some uh, mailbag. You've got mail. Start with a new review we got over on Apple Podcasts. Big shout out to Cameronator2002. Thank you. Five stars. Uh, Fight on. I really enjoy each show that they do. They're both knowledgeable and reasonable, which is absent with some other podcasters. They have great chemistry and don't mind challenging each other. It's nice to be able to walk through the football season with others who may be, shall I say, optimistic or pessimistic from game to game. It's all rainbows and butterflies with these two. Never pickles and hot sauce. Thank you for all that you two do. Fight on, Cameronator2002. Thank you, Cameronator2002. That's a a lovely review. And uh, I, for one, am glad that no pickles and no hot sauce will be present (laughs) on this podcast in 2024 it's a good it's a good start to the year um but yeah i I hope i hope we can be optimistic the whole way through this time yeah i i think so i think this this off season is going to be interesting because you know a a few weeks ago it would have been a very pessimistic off season and all of a sudden i think it's one that there's a lot of you know bright spots to look for Yeah, yeah positivity all around yeah uh, let's go to a question from Matthew in the chat. Um, does USC now have the best defensive staff in college football? I would guess at least top three. It's a damn good staff. Um, I would, I okay, I I can't tell you I know 
enough defensive staffs intimately uh, enough to to say for sure that USC's is, is top five or top 10 or top anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is that in terms of hires that USC has made, they have made, like I said, ace, earlier the show, aces on every single one of them. Yeah. The only thing I'll say is that um, it's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential. Yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of. I think that in order to say definitively, USC is a top three staff, we have to see them actually go and do it. Now, Danton Lynn, we saw what he did at UCLA, but he needs to prove that he can sustain that he can that he can repeat that that there wasn't just a flash in the pan mm-hmm. because he had two NFL uh, edges available in that in that defense. Um, Eric Henderson needs to prove that he can do it without Aaron Donald mm-hmm. um, at the college level, that he can recruit, et cetera. Um, Matt Entz needs to prove that he can recruit. Like the whole point of Matt Entz leaving uh, FCS to come to FBS is that he needs to learn how to navigate recruiting and all at that kind of level, stuff yeah. at this level. Yeah. And and it's been a while since he's been a position coach. So like, mm-hmm. you know, being a position coach is at this level is is a whole new challenge for him. Uh, Doug Belk, who is uh, coming off of a um, relatively failed tenure as a defensive coordinator, uh, has to come in and prove that that he can be a, 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 an elite level um, position coach at, uh, at I, for the DBs. So, the, like, I think the hires USC have made have all been exceptional hires. A lot of these guys still have a lot to prove. So I wouldn't percent, count all I, of my chickens before I, they hatch. Personally. I think that when we're talking about upside, yes, I think that this could be one of the best staffs in terms of upside. It's a lot of potential there. But in order to be one of the top three staffs in the country, you have to have multiple guys who are, you know, top five type coaches in America at their position group. SC only has one of those right now. That's Eric Henderson. Like, and that's presuming that he that what he what worked for him in the in the NFL will work for him in, in college. Right. That, that's just saying that because he's the NFL guy who won a Super Bowl, yeah. et cetera, like yeah. that he's automatically like a top five college football coach, which is an assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's nobody that is proven at this level in the position that they are um, beyond a year or two, right? Like. Uh, to, to be at the level that, that you want them to be. And so, no, they don't have the best defensive staff in college football. They have an exciting defensive staff that I think could get there, and I think it could end up being, you know, just as good at that. And, you know, a year from now, we might say that this is the best defensive coach team in America, but, like, you need to see it first. We thought the staff that they put together when Lincoln Riley arrived was yeah. a good defensive staff and an right. upgrade over the previous year and and everything went wrong with that staff. So um I I am extremely excited to see what the staff can do. Mm-hmm. I'm also old enough to know not to make assumptions about guys who still have to prove themselves. Yeah. Uh Lamont says I've heard a lot of Caleb slander recently and I don't get why Caleb's only mistake was that he tried to outdo his Heisman season. That made him go for the big play, not the right play. What say you? I think there's been a ton of Caleb slander uh, the whole way through. I think that Caleb was working um, with an offensive line that was far less capable uh, this year, far less consistent this year, that forced him uh, to 
to rush things more often um, that forced him to try to have to jump through hoops in the first few seconds of a play and then have to go do all the same stuff that he was doing um, before. Uh, I think there was an element of um, protecting himself a little bit because I think he ran more last year and I'm not, I don't think protecting himself is a mistake necessarily, but when you needed him to be Superman on every single play, mm-hmm. the thing that held him back may have been his, the, the 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 knowing that the last time he broke off a huge run, uh, his hamstring died on him and yeah. he was hampered and uh and and just that little limitation from that could have been in could have been in his head a little bit in terms of the running game. Mm-hmm. Um, my argument was also that uh, that this season. Uh, not not to not to um uh disagree with your idea that he was going for the big play and not the right play but i would also argue there was a touch of perfectionism that was going on with him because he did need to be perfect in every single game in order to give usc a chance that i thought there were times that could have taken more risks and he yeah. didn't take those you risks you wanted more 50-50 balls yeah i wanted more 50-50 balls and yeah. i don't Blame him for not taking those balls, for for not throwing those up for his receivers. But I think there were moments where he didn't maybe, where he maybe knew that he had to do it all himself. Mm -hmm. And that might have caused him to lose, not lose trust, but maybe not give as much trust as he should have been to guys like Brendan Rice, to guys like Taj Washington, to let them go out there and make some plays. Let's see what happens. And, And if you throw an interception, um, or two because of that, then you theoretically can live with that. But I don't blame him for that because he he had you know a turnover against Washington and USC loses the game because of it. Yeah, uh, like, Matthew in the chat also points out his pinky was hurt for several games. I think that was heavily affecting him for yes, for quite a I few think, weeks. I think that was a gigantic thing. It, I think the 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 pinky was a huge thing that didn't get talked about. Because I don't think SC wanted to talk about SC that. was absolutely. And not I think if to SC, talk. I I think that. Lincoln Riley could have used that as a uh, as an excuse for things, and they were. I think they were so hell bent in not promoting the idea that he could be hurt. That there's, I think you could make the argument that it did Caleb a, a disservice because the poor moments that he had because of the pinky, namely the early part of the Arizona game, right, mm-hmm. um, get o- sort of overlooked because. Uh, the full expectation was on Caleb Williams at the same time. And Caleb Williams' expectation was to be as good as he was last year and even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the reality is we need to still be we need to still be comparing Caleb Williams to, yes, compare him to himself last year, but also compare him to the other quarterbacks in the country, other quarterbacks, the, the average quarterback, whatever that is, right? And... Compare him to, say, Sam Darnold and compare him to Cody Kessler and quarterbacks that you've seen at SC and whatnot, and he is far superior to all of those, even despite his faults and, and not being perfect and all those things. So, yeah, I think there's... there's there, And also, the, so much of the slander... Uh, so, long story short, Caleb Williams didn't have the best season, uh, in part because his pinky was hurt, he didn't have protection... He didn't have the receivers that were as good as last year. 
Um, and he was and asked to do way too much. The defense, what was the problem, and all those all those factors, and the pinky. Um, at the same time, I think a lot of from the outside perspective about Caleb Williams is ridiculous. The stuff about oh, he is this guy who's so full of himself that he's trying to um, he only cares about NIL. He's got too many commercials. Um, he wants to own an NFL team, like all this stuff. So much of it comes from, and it, as soon as you put yourself out there, then as as soon as you make any little step, misstep, people are going to point to those things unfairly. Um, fair or not, like that's the risk of putting yourself out there. And secondly, that stupid GQ article from his dad that wasn't even quotes from him, right? Like. And all that stuff is noise that is irrelevant. And I hope that he goes to the NFL and proves that he's the Caleb that we saw every week and we saw in media and stuff like that and could be, you know, charming and uh, say the right things most of the time when he chose to speak to the media, I guess. And all of those things and sort of, Prove that he's not what some guy on Reddit says uh, about Caleb Williams because they heard something in a GQ article. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Tim in LA says, uh, but his fingernails. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. E- e- exactly. Uh, also, Tim in LA had a great comment earlier that said that SC is no longer tailback you, they're juju you, <laughs> which which I thought was, was I fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Uh, last question we got from Dan over on Discord. Maybe I missed this in an episode, but how do you feel about playing the national champion Michigan Wolverines at their stadium to kick off the Big Ten slate uh, in September? That's going to be a tough game. Um, I think that uh, USC, expecting USC to go into the big house and win a game uh, is, is, is going to be extremely, extremely difficult. I wouldn't necessarily bet on it. Having said that, um, I am fully convinced that Jim Harbaugh is leaving for the NFL. Um, we know for a fact that uh, that Michigan's roster is going to be decimated by NFL and graduation alone. Mm-hmm. If Jim Harbaugh leaves, uh, I think Michigan would be insane to not promote Sharon Moore to head coach. That might help them avoid the same transfer exodus that Washington, Alabama, Arizona are doing. But... We also know that every time coaches leave, the opening of the transfer portal because of it does just naturally create those opportunities Mm -hmm. for players to leave. So I'm not saying that Michigan will be a bad team next year, but Michigan, the the Michigan team that USC faces next season is not the same team that just won the national title. Well, this is the thing that I want to stress. I know there's so much especially as the season went to hell for SC in 2023, there was so much talk about, oh, but look at 2024 and look at how bad. I, I've i got the schedule in front of me. Uh, obviously, things can change, and this is just me pulling a lot of this just right out of my ass here, but hear me out. LSU, it's without their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Michigan, very possibly, likely, maybe, without their coaching staff, 
there were, there's upwards of like 15 guys who get get drafted off of that team because they were so senior and junior laden that roster. Wisconsin, um, in year two of a new coaching regime, you don't know what the what is going on there. Minnesota has basically been sort of stagnant the last couple of years. Uh, Penn State has two new coordinators that they have to break in. Maryland, I think, is looks pretty good, but isn't Tanga Beloa in the, in the portal? He is going to the NFL because his um, waiver for an extra year of eligibility was denied. So he's gone. They're okay. replacing their quarterback. Rutgers, I think, is probably better than people thought they would be, but they're still, at best, mid-tier in the Big Ten. Washington literally has lost all but like two dudes off their entire two deep from a week ago. Nebraska, again, just like Wisconsin, year two of a rebuild. UCLA, just SC just raided their defense and they lost Latu. You don't know what they're going to be at quarterback. Also, like, there's a million questions about UCLA. Like, they probably should have fired Chip Kelly. Uh, then there's Notre Dame, who I... They have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, we'll be bringing new... new uh, well, they have um, Riley uh, Leonard, yeah. new quarterback. So but, but question marks. Yeah. There is not a perfect infallible team on that schedule. Now, I'm not sitting here to say that SC is going to go 12-0 because SC is not a perfect infallible... Like, no. there's a million question marks about SC. But, like, this idea, like, I think that people have put it in their head that the Big Ten is this big, scary program, like, big, scary conference full of all these teams that are going to just smash them. And, like, there's so many question marks. Uh, Ohio State, half of the fan base wants to fire (laughs) Ryan Day. They don't have a – who knows what their quarterback situation is, right? And I don't want to be – like, I – the reason I say I'm pulling this stuff out of my ass is because so much of it is tied to, like, what the quarterback situation is, and I hate that because it's so surface level. So just take this all for what it's worth. But, like, the team, the only team in the Big Ten that I think that is truly, truly, like, demolition, like like a demolition squad is Oregon. NSC doesn't play them next year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, Oregon looks like the best team in the conference to me. And SC does not play them. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Kenneth in the chat says, I do think SP Plus said we have the second hardest schedule, though. It will be hard. Yeah, I it's, love, not, it's not going to not be hard. But I, I, just, love, I love SP Plus. I don't think it's impossible. No, I love SP Plus. But this is the least useful use of SP Plus you could imagine. I think the transfer because portal is really effective. SP Plus yeah. is... SP Plus can't understand... Like can't account for the portal. It, SP Plus is basing all of that data on the past season's stats that can't, and, and then like recruiting, um, recruiting class averages. But recruiting class averages have never been less important because they're all decimated by the transfer portal, anyways. This past year's staff, I mean, this past year's stats are not necessarily predictive, especially for programs like. Michigan, um, or USC for that matter, because defensive the USC's defensive stats you have to hope are going to be completely transformed. 
Yeah. LSU, we can't predict with them because their defensive stats might be completely transformed. They have a new, they, they're, they're rebuilding their defense. Like, there's just a whole lot that we can't account for. My my whole thing going into this coming season, I'm with you. I'm not saying USC is going undefeated with the schedule. It's no. a tough schedule. It's there's a, no doubt about yeah. that. What I'm saying is that the idea that USC is outmatched in the schedule relative to any other one of these teams having knowing that they have to play USC as well is uh it's I think it's just a lot more even than um than than people are are making it out to be on the surface when you when you look at what is actually going on in any of these programs yeah I, I think if USC had played the schedule this year yeah <laughs> rough days Right, but well, uh, especially given SC's defense, I mean, yeah. they just played any schedule this yeah. this year. Uh, it, it would be it would be, you know, difficult. And the most important thing is SC's got a million problems of their own that they need to address, which they've been doing. They've been doing it uh, defensively um, with the overhaul. But you just have to see how that changes, um, how that changes things. So, um, yeah. Uh, all right, uh, that'll end the pod. We'll be back next week. Uh, I think next week we. Are moving back to Mondays. So, Mondays. Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday. Monday. Oh, shoot. We're going to get demonetized. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite Mama and the Papa song? Uh, Mama and the Papa. Mama the, and the Papa? Is that the name? It sounds wrong. Am I having a. It's Mama and the Papas. Right? Uh, That's right. Right? California I'm, Dreaming? Am I having a, a weird. Mandela effect? It's mama and pop, mama and the pop. The mamas and the papas. The mamas and the papas. Yeah. That, why did I think that that sounded wrong? All of it? like you ever look at a word, you're like, there's no way that the word music is spelled oh, M U S I C. I do that on weird. a daily basis. It's yeah. it's a problem. All right, uh, we'll be back. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, uh, thanks for listening as always, and um, so long. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.